This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, we know the schedule now. Which game are you looking forward to the most, and why is it that beautiful Christmas Eve matchup at night against the Raiders? You gotta love it. <laughs> we might see Santa well, fly into the stadium in the middle of the game. I was just, I was just gonna say, do you think that enhances your chances of getting coal in your stocking, or? <laughs> Yes, it does. Because Santa's going to come down my chimney looking to give me presents. I'm going to be at the studio working the Steelers game, and he's going to get pissed. I'm not paying him the respect oh, he deserves. Either that, and you're either that, or in your, you're in a club at Heinz Field uh, having some liquid refreshment. <laughs> I would much rather be there. <laughs> <laughs> We got a lot of questions to get to today, so let's not waste any more time. Our first one comes from Tibor Uyang from North Las Vegas, Nevada. How come the Steelers don't try to get players like Jalen Ramsey on their roster? It seems like poor secondary play always burns them in critical situations and limits their opportunities to progress as an organization, and they have not had nearly the same success drafting defensive backs like they have receivers. I know they added Levi Wallace from Buffalo, which is a step in the right direction. But do you think they need to do more by way of free agency or trades? Um, okay, let's start with this. Um, I, I've looked this up and I've checked. There is, in fact, no orchard that grows trees where Jalen Ramsey's grow on. Okay, <laughs> So acquiring cornerbacks like Jalen Ramsey um, especially in trades or free agency, is prohibitively expensive, okay? Um, and if you're looking for him in the draft, you better be picking in the top half of the first round. So since Jalen Ramsey is, uh, was brought up as the uh, – was brought up specifically, let's use him as an example. He originally entered the NFL as the fifth overall pick of the 2016 NFL draft, fifth overall pick. The Steelers have not picked that high. I don't since um, Terry Bradshaw, nineteen seventy. <laughs> Quite saying. a while. So, so anyway, okay. So now his relationship with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with the team that drafted him fifth overall, when that soured, um, the Los Angeles Rams traded for him. Now to acquire him in that trade. The Rams sent two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick to the Jaguars. Okay, then they just get his rights. Then to keep him happy, the Rams signed him to a five-year, $100 million contract that included a $25 million signing bonus and $71.2 million totally guaranteed. Okay, so that gives you some idea of the expense, not only in draft capital that you have to spend to acquire the guy, um, either by being the, lucky enough to have a chance to draft him originally, or if you try and get him in a trade, and then in free agency, um, it, it's just a ridiculous amount of money. Now, uh, the point about uh, the Steelers are not very good at drafting cornerbacks. Um, my contention is that Kevin Colbert's gotten something of a bad rap for that, uh, because including the 2022 NFL draft, the Steelers have picked 18 cornerbacks during Colbert's tenure. Of those 18, 10 were third-day picks, fourth round or later. Okay, so all due respect to those guys, when that's when you're drafting cornerbacks, there are no Jalen Ramseys there. Right. Okay, you, you know, once in a blue moon, 
the whole league might screw up on a Richard Sherman and you get lucky. But, I mean, that's, the, you know, play the law, play the pop. I mean, your chances of, of, you know, finding Richard Sherman's on the third day of the draft are about as good, you know, as hitting the Powerball. Right. But if, so if you look at the Steelers' 18 picks, as they, 18 cornerbacks, 10 third-day picks, only Artie Burns was a first-round pick. He was 25th overall. And only Burns and Ricardo Coakley uh, in 2004, who's 38th overall, were top 50 picks. So, you know, again, I'm not going to argue that the Steelers missed on Burns and Coakley. But outside of the top 50 players in the draft class over a couple of decades, uh, that's not the place to shop for Jalen Ramsey's. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how this secondary turns out. But, I mean, just saying why don't they go out and get Jalen Ramsey? Um, that's a whole lot easier to say uh, or to type into your laptop uh, than it is to actually do. Dylan Fisher from Greenville, Pennsylvania. One of the biggest questions heading into next season is who will end up being the starting quarterback for the majority of the 2022 regular season. Mitch Trubisky has talent and experience, but Kenny Pickett was, the touted, as, was touted as the most NFL-ready quarterback in the draft. Plus, over the last five years, Pickett probably has gotten the chance to talk to Mike Tomlin about the game of football, given that Pickett played at Pitt. What are your thoughts on the quarterback competition? Um, you know, the only thing I can tell you at this point, you know, we're still two months out before the start of training camp. So the only thing I can tell you about it is there will be one. Who's going to win that competition? How it's going to be staged? Who all will be included? Uh, because uh, Dylan left out Mason Rudolph in his, you know, uh, submission there. All that stuff is to be determined. Uh, you know, and the, 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 the narrative that, you know, Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett spent a lot of time talking football because Pitt and the Steelers, you know, share a, a building uh, that serves as a practice facility but separated um, you know that's just not true. I mean, they might pass each other in the in the parking lot. Give a little head nod have, and a wave. Yeah, yeah. Ha- have a good game. You know, on Saturday right. as one. You know, but I mean, there's <laughs> they're not breaking down video or anything. I you mean, don't, you don't think they're eating wings in the cafeteria together, Labs? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I don't know if if there's ever wings in that cafeteria. I'm going to make sure I get down there because <laughs> no one's usually telling you. it's. Uh, <laughs> baked salmon or something like that Uh. yuck (laughs) so um yeah it's this is you know trying to guess this now uh, you know i'm just not uh, there's no point to it um and my magic eight ball doesn't look that far into the future so um i'm I'm just gonna wait until uh, they put the pads on a little bit and then let's see what happens you mentioned how Dylan left Mason Rudolph out of his submission there. It is a three-person battle. Tomlin has said that many times. But how long do you think that can realistically last? You need reps to go around, and three is spreading reps pretty thin. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, and Bill Cower admitted many times after he tried it in 1996 with Tom Zack, Jim Miller, and Cordell Stewart right. that three is too many to try and pick a quarterback. So – What I really think is going to happen is uh, I think someone uh, will either uh, get injured in some way, you know, some minor kind of thing, pull a hamstring, 
um, you know, out, whatever. Keep him out a couple weeks during the competition. Right, and then, you know, kind of eliminate himself, or one of them could eliminate themselves uh, through performance. Right. Uh, and, you know, it'll narrow down to two maybe by the time the preseason games start. I don't know, maybe he's going to try and do three throughout. I, I, you know, I don't – Mike Tomlin has never had to do this with the Steelers, so there is no track record for him. So, I mean, um, again, that's a guess on my part as well. So, you know, this is going to be interesting for a lot of reasons and in, in a lot of ways, you know, but trying to tell you on May 18th how it's going to be handled and how it's going to turn out, I, I just, you know, I, I'm just not into it. Dwayne George from Breda, Netherlands. Just curious, what are your thoughts on Mike Tomlin becoming the next general manager and Brian Flores becoming the next head coach? Um, I hope that the NFL doesn't anytime soon catch on to uh, Brian Flores and uh, the talented uh, individual that he is. I mean, uh, I've had an opportunity to hear him speak a couple of times uh, to the media. Um, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, he should be a head coach in the NFL uh, and probably uh, should get another crack at being a head coach in the NFL very soon. But as I said, for selfish reasons, you know, I hope that doesn't happen for right. a little while because I think this guy's really has some things that he can contribute to the Steelers. Okay, that being said, Mike Tallman is a coach. That's what he does. Um, he sees himself as a coach. He loves the coach. I mean, the guy goes to you know, all these pro days, and, you know, he loves uh, – he's, he's a personnel junkie. That's his own phrase to describe himself. He can talk to you, uh, you know, about personnel throughout the league, um, you know, pretty in-depth without having to consult right. notes or look stuff up. He's a coach. I mean, that's what he's interested in doing. He, he, and he all, always says, I don't golf. You know, I don't have any hobbies. This is my hobby. So – I don't know whether Mike Tomlin would make a good GM or not. Certainly, I think some of the characteristics that I just described uh, seem to be uh, ones that you would look for in a, in a good GM. But I don't think he has any interest in that kind of a job. And so um, that those are my thoughts. Mike Tomlin is not interested in being a, uh, an NFL GM or a GM anywhere uh, at this point. Excuse me, at this point. And especially anytime soon to make a timeline work where he would move to the front office and Flores would be the head coach. Cause like you said, yeah. I, I think it's maybe only a year until Flores gets another crack at a head coaching job. You know, I think I could see him in this next cycle in the off season getting, you know, some sniffs from some teams. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Selfishly. <laughs> but I mean, I, again, he, he's a man who, you know, deserves uh, another opportunity and, and quickly. Nick Moses from Simi Valley, California asks, obviously there is no way to know at this point whether George Pickens or Sky Moore was the player the Steelers should have taken in the second round. But I'm curious, were you rooting for the team to take one over the other at that point? Um, this sounds to me like it's one of those, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to have another local guy on the team. Uh, Sky Moore went to high school at Shadyside Academy, <laughs> which is in uh, Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, you know, that kind of I'm not big on that in terms of drafting players. I mean, there's a you know, you, you scout more than just, you know, the one five two zip code <laughs> four one two area code. 
And I have no idea whether George Pickens or Sky Moore is going to end up being a better NFL player. But, you know, just looking at some of the measurables, you know, Pickens is 6'3", Sky Moore is 5'10". Pickens was very productive in the SEC. Um, anyone listening to this podcast understands my respect for the SEC and the competition uh, that um, goes on there. So with those two things, um, you know, I, I have no problem with the decision to pick Pickens over more. Um, we'll have to see how it turns out. I think it's also important to remember that if Pickens didn't get hurt his senior season at Georgia and have to work his way back from that injury, he was trending towards more the Garrett Wilson's, Drake London's, Chris Olave area of the draft in the first round. That injury really right. held him back, which Sky Moore is good for a mid-round guy, but he was never, you know, oh, if he didn't get injured, he would have been a first-round pick. Pickens has that potential and that ceiling, and I, I think that that's something worth, you know, taking a little bit of a risk on. Right, especially if his knee checks out, right. and uh, I'm sure that uh, um, Dr. Jim Bradley, who is a Steelers orthopedic uh, surgeon, um, you know, did a lot of detailed work on Pickens, and I'm sure that uh, he had to have given a good report on it because if he hadn't, the Steelers wouldn't have chosen him. William Pallich from Claremont, Pennsylvania. With the draft over and undrafted rookie signed, what is your opinion on the possible return of Joe Hayden? Any word from either side, one way or the other? Well, no, there is not. I mean, we've seen Hayden uh, on social media, um, you know, moving out of his house, putting his house up for sale, right. those kinds of things. Saying his goodbyes. Um, right. And, you know, based on, you know, how the Steelers have uh, conducted their offseason signing Levi Wallace to a, you know, not insignificant amount of money in free agency. Uh, they re-signed Akella Weatherspoon. They have Cam Sutton. It just seems to me that both sides are kind of moving away, um, moving on from each other. You know, I don't know at his age. You know, I don't think, let me say this. Let's just pretend Joe Hayden comes back tomorrow. Okay. I don't think he's a starter. Mm on the Steelers anymore. Now, is he interested in being a third or fourth cornerback backup? Um, can the Steelers afford to have him in that role and not necessarily just financially because that's another thing. Hayden would have to uh, be willing to accept a contract commensurate with his position slash role on the team. But, you know, third and fourth cornerbacks, fourth cornerbacks, they got to play special teams. You know, is Hayden yeah, in his right. mid-30s, getting close to his mid-30s, is he interested in that? Um, and is it the right thing for a player of his caliber and pedigree, you know, granted on the back nine of his career based on his age, um, you know, do you even want to do that to him? Um, you know, Joe Hayden has been a, even though he was, he originally came into the NFL with the Browns, he has been nothing but a positive uh, since coming to the Steelers. And I think that there is, you know, a lot of respect from the Steelers towards him in terms of what he has contributed in that. But you get to a point where, you know, you, you have to move on. I mean, and I don't think Hayden really believes that he's in uh, the third or fourth cornerback uh, portion of his career yet. I still think he believes, well, I, 
I imagine he believes that you know he can still contribute in the league because right. I don't know that he would want to play if he didn't think that way. I don't know that can happen with the Steelers. I, I just don't see it being a good fit at this point. You know, if there's some sort of injury, maybe that changes things. But as we sit right now with the situation as it is, I, I think um, it's time to move on. Are you a little, for both sides? Yeah. Are you a little surprised though that no one else has picked up Hayden at this point, or do you think the age is just a factor into it? And this is a guy that maybe doesn't sign until we're closer to training camp's opening. Well, yeah, the age is a little uh, is is definitely a factor, I, I believe, and the, also the fact that, as I said, I don't think. Uh, Joe Hayden perceives himself as a as where other you know, teams are the, want him, yeah, right down the depth chart role player, um, you know that that I think he may be viewed uh, around the league. So um, I, I just don't know if it, it's going to work out. It can work out. Um, I I really think that his uh, best path to what the kind of situation that he would be willing to accept is going to have to be a frontline injury uh, at that position uh, to some team. Mike Foster from Ua Beach, Hawaii. If I'm not mistaken, DeMarvin Leal moved around a lot all along the defensive line last year, even stand-up rushing the passer, and had good sack numbers in the SEC where a lot of offensive linemen, especially tackles, got drafted. Rather than have Leal bulk up, why not have him slim down to play outside linebacker? Slimming down worked with Le'Veon Bell and James Conner at running back, but also Brett Kiesel. Crazy stupid, just crazy, or not crazy? I was a Marine raised by a sailor, so words and insults don't phase me much. <laughs> um, let me just start with this, Mike. Uh, if you ever are offended by anything you hear, uh, it was Tom, yes, not me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Glad we um, covered that. <laughs> right. Um, n- no, I mean, you know, I'm not picking a guy third in the third round of a draft who was a defensive lineman, again, as a, was a productive defensive lineman at an SEC program and making him change positions. Um, and, you know, the, the examples Mike cites, Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, yeah, they lost some weight, but that was so they could play their real position, the one they played in college and were going to be asked to play in the NFL, at a higher level. Right. It's not like they were okay. saying, hey, slim down and move to wide receiver. Right. And the Brett Kiesel thing is you're you're wrong. I mean, <laughs> Kiesel weighed 269 as a defensive lineman at BYU. Once he got to the Steelers, he played usually around 290 or 295. So Kiesel actually got bigger. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, what we're talking about is do you want to make the guy – lose weight and transform himself so that he can become a backup outside linebacker mm. because he's not going to start over the two guys that they have. Um, not that Alex Highsmith is, you know, a budding all pro, but the guy has played the position enough that you could see that he is, you know, a starting caliber player, a running mate caliber player to someone like TJ Watt. Um, you know, and I see Leal as a soon-to-be top-of-the-depth-chart defensive lineman, yeah. which is something that the Steelers need. And so, um, you know, it just doesn't seem to me, you know, to be a good usage of personnel. Now, however, one of Leal's teammates, um, T- 
Tyree Johnson was signed as an undrafted rookie after uh, the draft was over. Now, he's a different situation. Okay, he was a 240-pound uh, defensive end in, in college station for the Aggies. Now, again, he was an undrafted rookie. So it's, it's much more realistic to convert a guy who was 240, who played stand-up defensive end um, in college, who was undrafted, who, you know, your investment in him isn't the same as it is in Leal, who will make over a million dollars in a signing bonus on his rookie contract. Um, and so I, I, the Steelers, I believe, are going to try and convert Tyree Johnson into a outside linebacker. 240 pounds is a good weight for him for that job. Maybe he's only a pass rush specialist early on. But again, the guy is a backup. You want him to be a backup. And Tyree Johnson had eight and a half sacks for Texas A&M in 2021. So I think trying to develop him as a backup outside linebacker is the way to go. Leave Leal where he is. Timothy Williams from St. Louis, Missouri asks, I was wondering whether the schedule this year would have any impact on the quarterback competition. That's because after looking at the schedule, the, bless, the, excuse me, the best plan could be to not put the defense in tough spots, which could mean Mitch Trubisky could be the answer. Okay. Um, the quarterback competition is designed to pick the best guy for the job. And part of being the best guy for the job is not doing things at the position that puts the defense in tough spots, like turning the ball over, um, you know, short fields, those kinds of things. So um, I still believe that the competition is going to take care of a lot of this stuff, and I don't believe you decide on a winner of the competition by looking at the first four games of the regular season um, as opposed to just judging what you have seen from the players uh, during the competition. Uh, you, you, play the, the, you play the guy who wins the competition because usually uh, over the course of it, you know, training camp, the preseason, the, the best guy is going to become apparent. And uh, you, to have any credibility, you got to pick the best guy. Again, you yeah. to, to have res- the respect of um, those players who are uh, participating in the competition, to have the respect of the other guys in the locker room, they know who the best guy is, and they may even have a better idea than people watching from the outside because they're in meetings, a lot of it, and see how um, those guys within the competition prepare themselves and conduct themselves, and, you know, and those kinds of things, the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, that we're not necessarily privy to. So, you know, again, I don't think you look at, you know, oh, okay, uh, you open against the Bengals, you come back and play the Patriots, the Browns. Okay, well, it's definitely, it can't be Pickett, uh, so let's go with the other guy, even though Pickett won the competition. Uh, I, I just don't think that's smart, and I don't think that's the way it's going to unfold. I don't like that line of thinking either. People saying, oh, you can't start Pickett against the Bengals on the road week one. Well, if Pickett is the guy and the answer for the future, he's going to be going to Cincinnati every year for the next 10 or 12 years. So you might as well start him now. And also, this is the NFL. I I get what people are like, oh, playing the Jets at home might be a better prospect than playing the Bengals on the road. 
but you're still playing a much better level of competition than you were in college. It's a leap no matter who you play. So picking and choosing the team to, to debut a rookie on, I think, is just is dumb thinking like you do. Yeah, and, and you know, and again, I, I do believe that, you know, the ability to handle um, situations, because there's going to be adversity, you know, whether it's at training camp or in the preseason or whatever. Right. And if, if he has no ability to handle it or not – an ability to handle it up to a level that, you know, you think is necessary to put together a representative performance in Cincinnati in the opener, then he's not the guy this right now. Um, and again, as I said, I, I just, you pick, you pick the guy who wins the competition. Aaron Lowe from Washington, D.C. A player is waived, and let's say five teams put in a claim. What team has the first rights to that player, or does the player decide where he wants to go? Also, if the first team is awarded the rights to him, what happens if the sides don't come to a contract agreement? Okay, so we're talking about a player on waivers. So, waivers is different than being cut. Um, you know, um, so if you're waived, you don't have the freedom that a player who is released has. Waiver priority is determined by the teams with the worst records having the highest priority. So, like right now, for example, any players who are waived, um, teams putting in claims for them, uh, say five teams put in claims for them. So, the, the waiver priority would be determined by the first-round draft order. Now, I understand that, you know, multiple teams had multiple picks in the first round, but at some point, that original pick, you know, that would be the spot. Like, the Rams traded their first-round pick, but their first-round pick would be last because they were the Super Bowl champion. So it's, it's, it's draft order, but not necessarily the way the teams picked actually when the draft started because of the trades, if you understand what I mean. Right. Okay, so um, what happens is there's a 24-hour claiming period. So everybody puts in claims. It's not first-come, first-serve. It's a it's a, um, a period. Okay, then once the period is over, 24 hours, then the league looks at all the teams that put in claims for the individual. And the player then is awarded to the team with the highest waiver priority, which would be the team with the, you know, picking earliest in the draft. So if a player's waived today and four teams claim him and Jacksonville is the first, is one of those four, the Jaguars are awarded the player. Now, the player has no ability to decide where he wants to play. If you're, if you're waived and claimed, if you're that player, you either go to the team that is awarded you on the waiver claim or you don't play. That's it. So uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, wiggle room there. And then the other thing is if a team claims a player off waivers, the team inherits his contract. So there's no negotiating either. There's no coming to a new contract agreement. You know, if you um, if you make a claim, and th these are going to be ridiculous numbers, but I'm just trying to make a point here. If a team claims a player who's making five million dollars this year, you got to pay him the five million. That's right. part of the deal. So uh, again, there's not a lot of wiggle room for for either the team or the player on waiver claims. Our final question today comes from Michael Kuzminski from Warren, PA. 
If you had to pick the most iconic moment at Heinz Field, what would it be? Uh, for me, this is easy. You know, um, the 2008 AFC Championship game, Troy Polamalu's 40-yard pick six yep. uh, against the Ravens. Right and, on the and money. The fact, right, the, the fact that the Ravens were the opponent and you, they're the big, <laughs> your number one rival, you got to right. hate the Ravens. Uh, the Steelers beat them for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, okay, because that pick six provided the clinching points in what ended up being a 23-14 victory for the Steelers. And then they went to the Super Bowl, and they won the sixth Lombardi uh, with by beating the Cardinals on Ben to Santonio San Holmes. Now, there's some others, I mean, you know, um, you could consider. Uh, Antonio Brown's, uh, you know, uh, immaculate extension, also as some fans Ravens. called it, also against the Ravens, you know, on Christmas Day. And while that won the division for the Steelers and knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs, uh, that's not as good to me <laughs> no. as sending them home four minutes away from winning this, uh, going to the Super Bowl. Uh, another one, Antonio Brown's helmet catch in the 2010 divisional round of the playoffs also against the Ravens, (laughs) you know, knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, but that was only the divisional round. Again, to me, the higher you climb the mountain over the course of the season, the longer and more painful the fall if you don't complete the journey. So um, I did not pick either of the other two that I mentioned because uh, of Antonio Brown's role in those plays Um, to me, if you can pick six a team that you hate uh, in a championship game and send them home and send your team to the Super Bowl, uh, that trumps the others. No question about it. Always fun to send the Ratbirds packing home for their season. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Get your questions into labs. We will be back again next week with a fresh edition. But until then, he's Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Opperman, and this has been Asked and Answered.